Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Builder Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Builder Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy to use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Builder Trend's project management platform for the last five years. And we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build a Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction. And we are on board. To learn more about how Build a Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, Visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build a Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. We are just a few months away from the Contractors Coalition Summit here in Scottsdale, Arizona. It'll begin on Sunday, May 7th and complete on Wednesday, May 10th. We had two events that were completely sold out last year. The first one in Nashville, second one in Huntington Beach with Nick Schiffer from NS Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction of Style. Again, make sure that you get out to Scottsdale. It's going to be an amazing event. We only have a few seats left, and we're going to be speaking about all things pricing, project management, how to make money inside and outside of your business, You know, contracts, client expectations, building that organization, and again, just the marketing aspect, social media. One of the most amazing values of this conference is not only the content that's produced and a lot of the information that's handed out to those that attend, but also the networking, being there with 30 like-minded builders around the country, being able to have a, someone to contact and reach out to on any questions you have moving forward. It is an amazing event. Hurry and sign up. Again, www.contractorscoalitionsummit.com. We'll see you in May. Email marketing has the highest conversion rate over any marketing channel, over social media, over TV ads, radio ads. They have the highest open rate and highest conversion rate. So the fact that not more of us are doing this is crazy. You could probably get more sales over time as you've built it and nurtured these leads than like organic traffic to your website because you've already built that trust and and nurtured that relationship. So it's a super valuable tool for any business, but definitely for the construction industry where people are spending tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars on a project. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. And we have Caitlin Slocum from Caitlin Slocum Design. You're the creative director there. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you. Super happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. So marketing, you know, website, SEO, these are all topics I think are relative to any business. It doesn't matter if you're a contractor such as myself. And I, a big issue I've always had, or at least tried to understand is, you know, where are the leads coming from? Where are they generating? Where should I be focusing my time? You know, and especially engagement, you know, where are leads? How, how are they finding out about AFT? In your experience, Caitlin, you know, especially as you're working with customers on the marketing aspect, how do, how do you know and how do they know if their website's converting? 
Yeah. So one of the things that I encourage my customers to do, um, and a lot of them just don't know where to go or how to access, you know, where they're getting their leads from. Um, my specialty in the web design field is like seeing if their website is converting. And so I prompt them to whatever your web builder is, whether it's WordPress or Squarespace or Webflow or whatever it might be, um, there should be an analytics tab somewhere. And what you want to measure is there's going to be a main number of what's your traffic, how many people are visiting your site every month. And then your conversion rate will vary depending on what you consider a conversion, right? But your conversion rate is essentially out of all of those website visitors, how many took the action that you wanted them to take. So that could be, you know, are you measuring calls directly to your company? How many calls from the amount of traffic that you had would be that conversion rate? Or maybe what you want to track is whether they fill out an online form or they download a lead magnet um, or subscribe to your newsletter, um, applying for financing. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can measure conversions depending on what your business's priority is. Um, but the simple calculation is amount of website traffic visitors um, and then divide that or divide the number of conversions by website sessions. And that's your percentage of conversion rate. Well, before we break down the conversion rate, let me ask you, when you are building a website for someone or someone's building their own, is there a platform that's better, whether it be WordPress, Squarespace, you know, go, I, I mean, as you're looking at that, which ones are a little bit more favorable maybe to just the overall goals of any company? Yeah. So, you know, there's probably two to three that I would recommend. I am not a WordPress hater, but it's not my go-to. I know most of the websites on the internet are done on WordPress. Um, and you can build way more custom sites with WordPress. Um, but they tend to have more security issues because so many of the websites online are housed on WordPress. They're more susceptible to hackers. You're constantly having to keep up on plugins and different things you install to have the website function like you need it to. So it takes a lot more maintenance. It can be more costly. Um, so if you worked on WordPress, definitely have like a developer on retainer or something to make sure everything stays updated. But for, I'm a Squarespace website designer, so I'm a little biased, but I find that that platform actually works really well for a number of industries, but especially for service-based industries like contractors and home builders and plumbers and electricians. Um, if your site is primarily service-based, Squarespace is a great platform um, all the little plugins and integrations you have to use on WordPress to make a functional site are already built into the platform. So you don't have to add all those extras. Um, I've never ran into any security issues. Uh, it's actually a pretty user-friendly um, design, like website design builder too. So when I work with my clients and build a website and then hand off the website to them with some training, you know, my clients are able to update their portfolio or swap out text or add a page um, with relative ease, which some other web builders are a, a little less user-friendly or require more code and things like that. So I would say for um, mid to large size businesses, Squarespace for user-friendliness, um, and if you want to go, if you're a larger company and want to go like even more customization or you need special integrations and things like that. If you can find a web flow designer, I think that's a great alternative to um, WordPress uh, right now. And that is a no code builder as well. So it is more of a learning curve. Um, 
I don't know that you'd be able to build the site that you want by yourself on Webflow. But if you're hiring a designer, I think that's a good alternative to WordPress right now. No, that's really important. When you speak about uh, a company that may be more service, you know, they're more of a service provider, right? Hence the reason Squarespace. Why is maybe Squarespace more beneficial as a service provider? Yeah, I just, I think, I think that, so there's a number of reasons. So I kind of talked about WordPress a little bit, but if I just am focusing on Squarespace, um, as a service provider, if you're not using things like online scheduling or e-commerce, um, you might have links to your CRM or things like that, that you're, you're sending people to. Um, but if you're not integrating it right into the, the website itself, it, has all the capability of custom design that you need. Um, and then on top of that, their customer support is fantastic. It's There's three um, of their major headquarters are in the US. Um, they have they don't have phone support, but they have chat, live chat support, email support, and they can answer any questions. So if you're doing your site by yourself or doing little upgrades or whatever here and there, they can walk you through it step by step. Um, like I mentioned before, there's no security issues with Squarespace. And also what you're paying for is what you get. Like you pick a plan and you're paying for it and you know every single year exactly what you're going to be paying for. And it doesn't change because you're not adding all these independent plugins that cost something extra to have a blog or to have some special functionality. Um, they've really done a great job of building this platform to have everything that service providers need in a website from email marketing to blogging um, to newsletters, um, all that stuff built in without the need of all these external plugins. Um, they, they also are a design first platform. So they really focus on whether you're using a template or building from scratch, the way that they've built their platform, there's, it's really hard to make a site that looks terrible. Like they just, they created this platform in a way that, um, the sites look your, the pages on your site look uniform with your fonts and your color palette um, and not all over the place. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of reasons I like Squarespace for service providers. Now, if you need additional, like somebody who's selling products online, I might recommend a different platform like Shopify. There's certain web platforms that are more built for e-commerce. There's certain platforms that are more built for like online scheduling. Um, but I found Squarespace to be a really great platform for those, um, for service-based businesses. No, that's great perspective. Cause I was just going to ask, you know, if someone is a service provided, you know, based business, maybe it's an interior designer, right. That has mm. their business, but now they're going to open up their shop. Right. And they're going to sure. sell product and maybe a builder may is how capable is Squarespace to do that? Or if you're planning on doing that at some point in your business, yeah. should you be looking like a Shopify or something? Yeah. I think it depends on the amount of products you have. Um, or if you're integrating any drop shipping, like if you're selling a product, but you're not fulfilling the shipment of that, um, now there are plat there are uh, companies that work with Squarespace to do drop shipping, um, but let's say if you have over fifty or a hundred products, I would probably recommend with going with an actual e-commerce web builder like Shopify. But if you if you're a business that has you're selling some merch or you're selling, you know, up to 25. Or maybe floor or, plans. Yeah, you yeah, can be selling floor, floor plans. plans. Then you're fine. Oh, exactly. Digital downloads or, yeah, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, if you have a minimal amount of products, Squarespace is also an e-commerce platform. Um, so it you still have the functionality um, to do that and do it well um, on a smaller scale. 
not that Squarespace isn't capable of larger scale, but I do think like Shopify and some other platforms are better for like big, big stores and on, online um, shopping. So. So with the conversion rate, you know, if I'm thinking about this as a builder, should I really be breaking down the focus? Could my conversion rate be um, whether I'm trying to get them, as you mentioned, there could be a form where they fill out, right, to, to generate a lead, right, whether email me. Mm-hmm. It could be um, that maybe, again, you may help me with this, just thinking of different conversion items mm-hmm. that I could focus on as a builder just to make sure the people, their eyes are staying on the page. They're not just clicking and leaving. You know, how? what, what are some recommendations some should have as action items? Outside yeah. of this, the normal, you know, I'm going to fill out this form because I want to want you to build my home. Yeah. Um, one thing, as I've been working with more builders and contractors, um, because that's a really big investment, right? So I'm not shopping for shampoo online where I can just pay five, ten dollars for an item, and that's a um, that's an easy purchase. So it's going to be rare that somebody lands on your site and you're the first contractor they've seen and they just book and like buy with you and and go move forward. So one thing that builders should really start focusing on that other, um, other industries have been doing and are doing is you want to increase the trust that you're building with your clientele. And so a really great way to do that is to come up with some, um, free download, like a PDF or a checklist. Like maybe it's like walking them through the steps. It's like the home buyer's guide and it walks them through the steps from initial consultation through the whole construction process to follow up. Um, something that your ideal client would find really valuable. So my husband and I, for example, we're moving across country this in like the next few months. And we were looking to build a home out in Ohio. Um, and there's just so many questions I have. I'm like, do I need to have land? Do I do, does this builder provide land? Um, what are the costs associated with building a home? Is this even reasonable? Like, is our budget even reasonable? Like there's all these questions, um, consumers have, right? So if you can create, a PDF or a checklist or a guide or something that you can give away your knowledge, your expertise for free, that immediately keeps you top of mind to the consumers because you've provided them help and you've provided it for them for free. So when they do circle back, they're like, Hey, you know, AFT construction has this great guide and walk me through all these questions that I have. And you're starting to increase engagement. They're going to come back and look for more from you. Um, Maybe they're reading more of your blog posts. Maybe they're looking for more free downloads that you have coming out and you're establishing yourself as the expert and building trust with them um, as one of the stepping stones to them actually making the decision to move forward and work with you. So I would say there's a lot of ways that you can measure conversions, um, on a construction website. I mean, obviously the amount of forms you come like that come in and calls and stuff like that's all great. Um, but a a really important one, um, in the construction industry that I'd like to see a lot more of is getting people to subscribe to your email list by downloading those free tools that you're offering them. It's it's super interesting. You say that because now that I'm thinking about this, Caitlin, this is absolutely genius because you know, I, I speak with a lot of builders and they're like, hey, I'm not getting the right leads. I'm not getting the right generation, right? Or on the other hand, you may be getting a lot of leads, but how do you vet them? Because there's a lot of time to vet mm-hmm. them. And I know sure. some designers specifically will be adamant that they have to fill out the entire form and even budgets an item on their form, right? But for, as a builder, 
what's interesting is you could almost put together a download, a checklist, a qualification saying, hey, for me, I'm just thinking, as you were talking about this, I'm thinking me internally, I could be, okay, here's where our clients typically build. We don't have a minimum square foot, but our clients are typically in this range. That's going to weed out a lot of people reaching out anyways, thinking, hey, can I build a house at a hundred bucks a square foot or, or if it's 400 or 600, at least they have a range coming in. Just hearing your customer experience moving to Ohio, having that checklist is probably super valuable to know, here's the steps to build. Here's right. how you get through pre-construction. Do I need to have land? I mean, these are great questions that we can answer on our own. Exactly. Exactly. And as I was kind of um, looking around on other contractors' websites and just getting some ideas, I mean, I mentioned the free home building guide, which, you know, can be a comprehensive guide that covers, you know, the home building process, financing, design. Um, you could create a budgeting and a financing worksheet, like a simple worksheet that helps those prospects calculate their budget and finance financing options. You could even do like a design inspiration ebook and put together a collection of home designs or inspirational ideas. Like people love looking at um, those visuals. Um, you can do building material comparison charts. Like there's so many different directions you can take this and you just have to figure out as a company, like, um, what is it? And you might have to even do some interviews with people who have landed on your site or who you've worked with in the past. Like, what are some questions that you had? What would have been helpful? Like ask past clients what they needed at that time and then produce that because you know, if they needed it, other people need it too. This is amazing. And let me ask you this, Caitlin, when you talk about the conversions, what's interesting is not just, you know, having, um, providing value, which essentially you're saying, if you provide value, you know, that's going to, that's going to build a trust with the customer. But essentially, you could also have possibly like YouTube links to answer questions. So you can have YouTube. You mentioned you could have blogs. You mentioned the newsletter. I know you said that early on in the conversation mm -hmm. today. How, how important is a newsletter for people to sign up and subscribe and to just keep that, that audience active? Yeah, I think it's super important. And to be honest, so I've, I've gone through programs and courses learning about this for my own business. Um, so I'm not an expert by any means, but it is... <laughs> Email marketing has the highest conversion rate over any marketing channel, over social media, over TV ads, radio ads. They have the highest open rate and highest conversion rate. So the fact that not more of us are doing this is crazy. And I think one of the reasons, though, is because we all know that feeling like we'll go shopping somewhere and they're like, oh, can we get your email and we'll send you discounts? And like, no one wants to hand out that email, like not even for a discount. Like an email is a very valuable asset. But when you offer that piece of value that somebody wants so bad that they're going to give up their very precious email address to you, that, that does qualify them to a large extent because you know the person who has downloaded this is actually interested in what you have to offer and maybe planning to do it in the next months or like you know, year or two. So you're pre-qualifying the people who have already subscribed and gotten the download that you've provided them. Um, and so by doing that, you've already pre-qualified people and then you can keep that relationship going. Um, and it doesn't have to be a lot. Like you can do bi-weekly or monthly emails and just introduce them to more about your company let them know who you are, introduce them to your team. If you have a new blog post that that would be valuable, that can go out in the next um, email. You can send uh, industry trends and you're just fostering this relationship. And I know from when I've talked to contractors and people who are kind of starting out on this, they really don't want to be spammy. And that's a genuine concern. Like you don't want people to get annoyed with you. Um, 
but you just have to remember that those people who downloaded that thing from you are genuinely interested in what you have to offer. And so you just have to nurture it in a way that's natural, um, not overly salesy. I mean, they're going to come to that decision on their own um, and in their own timing. Um, but you're able to foster this relationship and keep your company top of mind with the people who already care about you and what you have to offer. I am subscribed in my field of design. I have like I'm on newsletters of like 10 or 15 people and every time their emails hit my inbox, I open them and I read them and I'm inter- and I buy from them honestly because I value what they have offered me in the past and their expertise. And that's the benefit of an email list. Um, you might, as you are building this email list, you could probably get more sales over time as you've built it and nurtured these leads, more sales from an email that you send out than like organic traffic to your website because you've already built that trust and, and, and nurtured that relationship. So it's a super valuable tool for any business, um, but definitely for the construction industry where people are spending tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars on a project. This is absolutely genius. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, as you're saying this, I'm like, I don't have an email campaign. It's, it's <laughs> something I've wanted to do. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's just like you, you have so much time. And so where do you put that time? But, right. but when you made the comment that the biggest closer is emails, right? That's your biggest, mm-hmm. more than social media, more than anything else. Uh, I think that's where you really strike a chord with anybody, especially myself listening is that there is value to an email campaign, getting your content, being top of mind to people. So because we, I know for me, we have a lot of people reach out that, you know, are fans of our work or projects or whatever it may mm-hmm. be, but they, they, they're, they may not be in a position they may not be ready but right. by staying in front of them. So let me ask you this. If you're giving a recommendation to a builder specifically, and you're looking at, you know, content. Would you recommend that on those email campaigns, are you looking for just value information? Um, as you mentioned, just like, you know, home buyer checklist, you know, where the market's at, you know, or, or maybe it's a combo and you still have, you know, press releases on new projects that mm-hmm. are starting or, or big announcements or new hires. I mean, where do you find the most value? Cause you, you mentioned you subscribe to like 10 or so, what are they providing you? What does it look like? those weekly or monthly email campaigns? Yeah. You know, um, what I'm subscribed to will probably look a little bit different, but one thing that, um, I think would be most beneficial for the construction industry, you want to do a mix. Like you said, like you could send industry news and press releases, um, specials, or if you're hiring, like those are all different things that you can talk about new blog posts. Um, but another like really effective, form of content that you can be using in these email lists, as well as on your website, um, are case studies. I mean, interview a past client and highlight that client and send that out. And because again, you're building trust, you're showing from start to finish what this project looked like. I love talking about case studies because they're like the most effective marketing tool. (laughs) I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people will put on their website, like we go to our Google page and we pick a review and usually the review is like, oh, this company is great, would recommend. And it's like, that's a great, that's cool and all, but that doesn't tell us anything about what it's like to work with you or what the, the what even the project was. So um, I highly encourage uh, any company in construction to interview past clients. If you can do it with video, even better, but interview past clients 
and just have them tell it like a story. Like you can give them some prompts like, hey, before working with us, um, what were some of your fears? What were some of your hesitations? Where were you at? And then when they begin talking, the prospective clients then are hearing their similar fears or their similar hesitations. So your customer's doing all the work in basically selling to new clients. Cause they're, you know, I might go up to, um, a company after having worked with them and said, yeah, my husband and I were really worried about this because we were on a super limited budget. We have two young kids. So I'm starting to tell my story and then you can prompt them again. Okay. After, or what was it like working with us? And then me as a client will start to explain, you know, from, from the very beginning, you know, the team over here was super friendly and answered all of our questions night and day. Um, they, they walked us through it step-by-step. We sat down together and put together a budget. They laid out different options. And so I'm telling this story again, prospective clients are like, Oh wow, that sounds really helpful and really great. And then at the end, um, you know, you can ask them if someone's, what would you say to somebody who is embarking on, you know, this journey now, um, about working with us or, or what would you, what would you tell somebody who's hesitant or whatever? And then they're saying in their own words, why that prospective client should work with your company. So when you're doing these really in-depth um, interviews, and it doesn't have to be in-depth, just three basic questions right there, just walking them, having them tell the story. And then those you can send out in those emails. Like, you know, this week I want to talk about our client, John. And then you can have his words on there, his quotes on there. If you took a video, like a YouTube link, you can throw it in the email and they can watch it. Um, and you're just reaffirming in a different way than you talking about, oh, this is how great my company is. We can do this, this, and this. They're hearing it from an actual customer. And that is way more effective than what a company could say about themselves. Okay. So let me ask you this, Caitlin, because this is fascinating. Um, I love the direction and the, the informative, you know, um, counseling and content and instruction you're giving all of us, especially the case studies. <laughs> As you're looking at CRM, one thing that I have not been, done a good job of is organizing leads, emails, and even having a database, right? And they come in. As you're working with companies, how should someone track and organize their leads? How do they, you know, CRM is a big part. Any mm -hmm. software you recommend? I mean, how, you know, how could someone, you know, bridge that better as a company? Yeah. So I'm going to be like completely honest. I, I have not worked enough with um, construction CRMs to know what might be the best for builders or remodelers. It's just not my area of expertise. But I will tell you, the CRM that I use is uh, it's called HoneyBook. It's not for builders, and like you guys need more advanced CRMs than what I need. It's a it's very uh, specific to online creators and designers. But one thing that CRM allows me to do is. I can create the form that goes on my site and then embed it on the site. And one of the questions I ask in that form is, how did you hear about us? And then I give those options. I'm like, what did you do a Google search to find me? Did someone in the industry refer you to me? Did, um, was it another referral that wasn't an industry referral, maybe family or friend? Did you find me on social media? Um, so you can kind of take any of the marketing efforts you're currently doing maybe you have a billboard up somewhere and you can put billboard on there as an option, but that'll allow you to, um, see where people are seeing you and then determine like, okay, I'm getting most of my referrals from this. I should be focusing more heavily on this. Maybe you have one referral out of a hundred that's from, or one lead out of a hundred that's from 
Instagram, you know, and then it's like, okay, maybe we don't need to like be gung ho on Instagram, not saying to get rid of it. It's still a touch point, um, and a great way to show your portfolio and stuff, but why spend however much money you are on social media marketing, if that's not where the bulk of your leads are coming from, you know? So I think just even asking that question simply on a contact form and having people have to fill that out is a great indicator of where people are coming from. So essentially, as you break this down, I mean, you have to understand the value of the lead generation. And what I mean by that is you mentioned, Mm -hmm. yeah, like Instagram may just be a touch point for a customer. It's not really a generation, a -hmm. lead generation platform. And so if you're tracking this stuff, you're going to know where to put a lot of your energy. Not that, Mm -hmm. you know, you may like being on Instagram, but it's not bringing you a ton of business. So focus some energy elsewhere. And that's why you should really be tracking all this information. Yeah. And depending on what, um, I mean, Google analytics can be a great way to see some of this stuff, um, because it'll show you where, what links are people clicking on to get to your website. Um, Squarespace has some analytics. And so I can see how much of my traffic is direct, which means they typed in caitlinslocumdesign.com, how much of it is Google search, how much of it is from social. Um, So there's tools like those that you can look and kind of see where the bulk of your traffic's coming from. Um, But yeah, I just, I think it's valuable to just see like, I know... I know in marketing, there's so many different ways to market your business, right? I mean, you can do local networking, you can do um, Google, uh, like paid ads, Google ads, Instagram ads, Facebook ads, you can try organic social, like, you know, your Facebook or Instagram page, Um, uh, SEO, there's, there's like more, I'm not thinking mail campaigns. I know a lot of people like will Mm -hmm. pick a neighborhood and send out like those uh, mail campaigns. So knowing what is actually working for your business. And again, this will vary by industry. It'll vary by where you're located in the country and like the, the size city you're in, the type of um, socioeconomic, you know, class your customers are in, it's all going to vary. But so you need to figure out what works well for your business and then capitalize on that and spend more um, effort on that. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. Now, with the email campaigns, going back to CRM, how you're using HoneyBook, as you mentioned. So when people are going out and they're um, going onto your website, Kaylin, and they're going to fill out their form, I mean, you're going to be having their email already from that. I mean, ideally, and that's going to be in HoneyBook. Are, how are you adding other emails to start creating a database, you know, because 
you may have some customers that maybe want a customer at the time, but that could change. So you mm-hmm. still want to be in front of them. How are you personally yeah. just tracking your leads to make sure that you, those campaigns are being, you know? Yeah. And so this is, I'm really new in the process of email marketing. So I'm like saying this with you. So I, um, I am using ConvertKit, which is an email marketing platform. There's plenty, there's so many of them. There's MailChimp and um, ConvertKit. There's a ton. I'm using ConvertKit currently um, and still learning the platform, to be honest. But I know one of the things that I can do on my website, I have a freebies page. So I have three downloadable PDFs, for example, and they're all for kind of a different type of client, or at least two of them are. Um, and so when somebody downloads the one, they are they can be tagged or categorized in this group of people. And I've labeled them as a certain group of people. The other one, they are categorized differently. And so then I can have the emails that go out, go to the different groups of people. One might be, um, you know, if I'm having a download where I'm trying to attract custom web projects, I can send them one set of emails people who are more interested in SEO, like one of my downloads is how to attract more local clients by optimizing your Google business page. That's a different kind of client. They're not really coming to my site um, or that download for web design. They want to know how to get more clients. So they're actually more interested in SEO. So based on what they're downloading, I can categorize them into different interest points and then send them different materials. But like total transparency, I'm still in the very beginning stages of figuring out, um, I just this week, uh, launched an email sequence. So it's like five emails after somebody downloads one of my free tools. I created a five email sequence that goes out over a period of 14 days or something like that. But it, it helps warm them up and introduce them to my company. Like what I do, a case study, a two-part case study, um, an introduction, um, like getting them an offer that I offer them and then inviting them to work with me. Um, and so I'm literally just getting started in this process myself. Email marketing is not a service I offer, (laughs) but I know the value of it. Um, but there are ways with any email marketing system that you can classify your leads as different entry points, different interest points. Um, and that's kind of its own like field in itself. I would recommend, um, I know she specializes in, um, designers and and creators and things like that. But Amy Porterfield is like the guru of all things email marketing. So if you even look up Amy Porterfield on Google, um, she's got courses and like, she probably has a YouTube channel with tons of free content and getting started, um, that I would recommend. And, um, I know the book, Marketing Made Simple by Donald Miller. He's the guy who wrote Building a Story Brand. Uh, that Marketing Made Simple book goes into how to get started uh, with an email uh, email marketing as well. And they break it down like piece by piece, um, super basic, um, but really, really helpful. So I would recommend those tools to anybody who wants to learn more about email marketing for sure. So let me ask you this as, you know, going back to the website, um, mm-hmm. What are most people searching for when they go to a website? And it doesn't have to be construction specific, but what are other things that catch people's eye? You know, as you're just thinking about the overall design and, you know, attraction for people that keep their eyes on the page. Yeah, I think it depends a lot on the industry. Um, You know, designers are going to have more like visual, visually uh, heavy 
sites. Like if you're an interior designer, for example, I mean, people want to see the spaces you've created. They want to see that project portfolio. Um, and that'll look different than a law firm or something like that, where they're probably looking for more, um, FAQs, like questions and answers about, Mm -hmm. you know, the different fields of law and things like that. But I would say even more importantly, um, there's a quote that I love so much. It's called, it says design primes and copy sells. So design, the visual design primes the user, um, to staying on your site and, uh, to moving forward. But the copy, the written content that's actually on your site is actually what sells your services. So I think when I have to think about what people are looking for when they land on a site, they're looking for a company to, um, solve their problems Um, but not just by saying like, you know, we're the best roofer in X, Y, Z, that's not hitting on an emotional point for me. But if, if they worded that headline as something like, um, keep your family safe and dry or something like that, it's like, oh, I want to do that for my family. And it's saying the same thing, but it's speaking to, um, what the customer's pain points, um, and fears and worries are. Um, so the attention that you should put to the actual words that on your site are going to make way more of a difference than having some like super fancy schmancy visual design. Um, you need the words to resonate with people and they're going to do the convincing and convicting, um, of getting people to reach out to you and do business with you. No, this is super. Um, again, you're just capturing my attention here, Caitlin, with all this information, you know, as you're looking at the website, what are things that make the website run slow? Because I know one thing that can kick people mm-hmm. off um, is how slow it's running or loading, mm-hmm. right? What are things that people can do to actually make it run quicker, more efficiently, or things that would actually make it run slow that would just keep people from, you know, no one has yeah. patience anymore, so they're going to click through. And I know. Yeah. Um, I know, like, if you have a very outdated, like maybe a hand-coded site, um, that's just it's just not up to date anymore. That can be one of the reasons, but if you have a more updated site, it's still running slow. A a main reason, um, especially if you have a ton of, if you have a ton of images and like project portfolios and videos of your work, all those things, if the images are not sized correctly, will slow the website way down. So I'm doing a site right now for, um, a custom home builder in Toronto and they sent me all their image files for their portfolio. And the size of these images were ginormous. So I had to go through and this is like, it just cracks me up because like people think web design is just like putting all these pretty things together. And I'm sitting there for hours, like just condensing images, like it's so monotonous, just so it's not running slow. Um, so like, it's great to have a few videos here and there on your site, but don't overdo it because it really does slow down the load time. Um, and making sure, um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what the actual number is. Um, uh, I think it's like 500, you want it to be under like 500 megabytes. (laughs) If I could, I'm like trying to remember, oh, sorry, no, no, 500 kilobytes under that. Um, to, run as quickly as possible, especially, you know, if you have a portfolio and you have all these different projects and then you have like 20 images for each project and all of those are like ginormous file sizes, it's going to take forever for your website to load. That's a common issue in, um, websites for photographers because they have all these galleries of all these weddings and, um, headshots and things that they have and their sites run so slow. It's because their images are not properly sized for uploading onto the website. 
yeah, well, my photographer will email me like photo shoots after we go through the photos. Mm-hmm. What's happening is they'll send me two files, right? They'll send like a web version. Yes. And then they'll send like a high resolution. That's and so really that good. Be- mm-hmm. So when they do that, I'm sure it would help someone such as yourself as they're building the website to make sure that everything's formatted properly. Yeah, because the high resolution ones, well, we can usually even use the the web ones, but we can take like if you have a big banner photo on your um your website, like the main photo when people land on your homepage, we might use a higher res for that. Um, but not for all of your, your gallery pictures. We don't need them to be that big. Um, so that's good that your photographer did that. And I would say anybody who's working with a photographer, um, to get images for your website, make sure that's something they offer is like image resizing for web. That's super important. Cause I've like, so- not all web designers will do it. I do, but not all do. <laughs> Well, it's a lot of work, as you mentioned. I yeah. mean, anyone that's resized a photo knows how much time that takes. Yes. So I love that quality. you said this. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so the design of the website, design of the images and all that is going to prime it, right? That's going to get people set up. But what's going to sell it is the copy and the content and that information. How, how important is it for someone to think about as they're building the website? And again, I'm not building websites, so mm-hmm. I may be naive to this. But there is a difference between if I'm looking at someone's website from my desktop or my mobile device and so many people on their mobile device, how important is it for us to focus on how it looks like on a mobile device as people are typically on their smartphone? As important as it looks like on a desktop device. So I think the latest that's come out is that 50 or 51% of people are viewing websites on their phone. So if you have not optimized your website for mobile, you are missing out on half of the potential that you have of people coming to your website. There's no excuse uh, to not have that be as important as what it looks like on desktop anymore. There's just not. Well, and there's a, there's a term I've heard too, just going back as we're looking at traffic and conversion mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, hot jar, heat maps, mm-hmm. explain what those are. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> so, um, in the process of working with my clients on a, uh, my, uh, web design approach is like a strategy first approach. So I do care about what your website visually looks like, but I care more about doing something that's tried and true actually brings you results. So one of the tools that I use in my, um, custom website design process is Hotjar, And it's basically a website, um, inspector tool that measures behavior data from your users. So, some of the questions I ask my clients when I even get on consult calls or, or whatever, um, I'll be like, you know, what, uh, what's working on your website? What's not working on your website? And a lot of the times they're like, oh, well, I don't know. I know it's not working, but you don't know why. This tool is, tells you why. So what Hotjar does is I can install a tracking code uh, that Hotjar has. I can install it on your current website give it like a month, uh, like at least two weeks, but it'd be better to have a month or two of data. And what it does is I can, um, I can see what people are clicking on and what they're not clicking on. So if you have something on your site that you want to be the main thing that people are looking at, I can see if they're actually looking at it or not. And if they're not, that's a huge problem. That's a huge, um, a thing that needs to be fixed and we need to figure out, okay, how do we position this? So people are clicking on what you want them to be clicking on. I can see their mouse movements. I can see what they're getting distracted by, what they're confused by. We can find broken links or bugs. Um, it's a great way to see how people, uh, one of my favorite tools and I use it on my website all the time is I'll go and I can view, um, videos 
And I can see a person's journey through my website from the moment they enter my website to the moment they exit. I can see every page they go to. I can see how long it takes them to scroll down the page or if they go super fast. So it gives me an idea of like, okay, people are interested in seeing this before they reach out to me. They're not so much interested in this. And it's kind of that same thing with the lead generation. It's like, I need to, it's great value to see what people are resonating with and want to see more of, and then putting that on my site and getting rid of the fluff and the crap that we think is important that people don't actually care about. Um, and so by, I take this tool, I apply, apply it to my client's website. And then based on that information, when we hop on a strategy call later, I can point out like, Hey, this is working. This is not working. When we hop into the web design process, this is what we're going to do to fix that or improve that or, or whatever it might be. So if you want to know what, what your prospective clients actually think about your website, whether they're even staying on it or seeing anything that you want them to see, um, these tools are great to use. And Hotjar has a free version that would work well for like any, um, company. Uh, I use the free version for my own business and can just see those behavior, uh, user behaviors, um, their upgraded plan. You can even get more in depth. I don't know if you've ever been to a website where they have like this little tab on the side of a page and it's like, how are we doing? Or it might say something like, um, did you find what you were looking for? Those are things that you can implement on your site too and ask very specific questions to your users like, hey, have you found what you're looking for on my site? And they can answer. And if they're answering no, you're getting that information like, okay, people, like you're getting that real-time information from people, like what they need from you and what they want from you um, to help you be more of a f- effective as a business and selling your services on your website. It's incredible because it's so fluid, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. have to make sure that yeah, that we're tracking this stuff, organizing it. That, that, to your point, if we're spending a ton of time, whether it be on on video or case studies or you know the newsletter we're sending out, but clients aren't finding it on the website and they're not even getting mm-hmm. there, we're essentially wasting time and money. And so this is really a way to track that. And and you know, and speaking with some um, people in my network that I've spoken to, you know, sometimes they're like, you know, it's kind of awkward to ask people how they found out about us or where they came from. But just speak to that, the importance to really track and understand from every phone call, email, text, how people are, are finding your firm. Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't know that would be kind of, I know there's awkward questions when you're meeting people and you're doing sales and, and things like that. There are obviously awkward, uncomfortable questions. That question has never been uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Cause I'm like, great. They found me. Like what's the harm and yeah. being like, how'd you hear about me? And you can just say it in a really nice upbeat way. Like, so I'm so glad to have met you. Like, how did you find out about us? I'm just curious, but, um, I, you can even frame it in a way, honestly, when, when I send out a proposal to somebody, um, for a web project, this is super uncomfortable for me, but even if they decline, if they decline working with me for whatever reason, um, I ask them why, <laughs> and it's super uncomfortable. And it's not to be like, why aren't you working with me? But I, I frame it in a way it's like, hey, no problem. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, is there a reason that you decided not to work with me? Um, it's helpful for me to know like moving forward if there's something I can be doing better or offering or whatever. And I frame it in a way where it's just like, you're helping me with my business be better. Um, and the responses I get are, I think it's, I think it's really helpful to know why people say no. And a lot of the times, I, sometimes it's about price. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's about totally like 
situations you can't control. But I think that helps a lot with your mindset and just knowing like, why are people choosing you or why are they not choosing you? And that's all information that you can take in and better your business with. So even if it's uncomfortable, asking people how they found you is so beneficial. And if you need, if you feel the need to explain more how they found you as a consumer, like that's not, if any company I've worked with, they ask me how I found them. Like it's a no brainer. I answer it. It's not a problem. But if you have, if you feel like you need to do more explaining, be like, Hey, you know, we're trying out different ways of marketing. Like we're just curious, you know, for our own business and how we can do better. How did you find us? If you don't mind me asking, um, and maybe just clarifying it in a way where, it makes more sense if you feel like to that prospect, but I don't know, even if you're uncomfortable, ask it because it's such beneficial, um, information to get from your clients. I, I love this stance. So I love that not only just asking how they found you, but if you're not getting the sale, if you're not closing on it, if you're not getting the contract, ask them why, I, I think there's a lot of value just from that. Uh, I was speaking with, there's a builder friend of mine, Nick Schiffer and his builders and yeah. he's doing, and this kind of goes to your case study thing. What he's doing is every month, he's emailing all of his clients like, where do we rank one to 10? How are we servicing you on the project? Some of our projects, you know, are eight months, some are 24 mm -hmm. months. I mean, it's a long, so, so every month he's sending it out and I was talking to him yesterday. He's like, Brad, I got a seven, you know? So immediately for him, he's thinking what happened? Like what's going on? Yeah. Is there a communication? And, you know, of course he calls the client, they start working through it. And because at least it just helps him track, am I missing something? Is one of my team members missing something? But to your point, even just whoever's doing the sales and closing, if we understand why they're not hiring us, there are maybe changes in our, how we set expectations, how we budget. Mm -hmm. And so, as you mentioned, some things may not even be a factor to us, but at least we know, yeah. right? There's some or one thing on that I found too is somebody might say no and they give a reason. Like maybe it's because like, oh, well, we found this other company who offers this, um, but I offer that too. I'm like, so you might even miss something that you offer that you just didn't communicate to the client. And that could totally change whether you get the project or not. So you can just find out this really helpful information. Like, is it price? Is it because like you said, I didn't set clear expectations or maybe we just missed talking about something that was really important to that client. And so you, you will never know how to improve or like how to land more jobs. Um, or you know, improve your sales process or whatever it is, unless you ask and start to gather this data. We can't run our businesses assuming that like we look at our businesses, like I might look at my website or my social and think like, oh, this is all great and whatever. Like I like how it looks. I, I think that I'm doing everything right. I haven't asked my customers, do my, do my clients, um, get what they need from me. Like we, we look at our, we look at our business one way, our clients look at it completely different and they're coming from a completely different angle. They're not in the industry. They're going to have different clients than we think that they're going to have, unless you actually ask them, we can't run our businesses like based off of assumptions or, you know, just one frame of mind. Um, if, you know, we serve our clients, so we need to know what our clients want and need and expect. And, uh, the only way to do that is ask questions or use these tools to gather that data, um, to make educated decisions in our business. Well, and, and you said this earlier in the conversation, you talked about when you want to provide, provide value to keep that conversion rate up and keep people on there, it's, it's solving pain points. There's mm -hmm. certain things in any business that if you can solve those, and that's really the copy, right? That's going to sell and close the mm -hmm. deal for, for you, Caitlin, if I'm looking at you and saying, okay, Caitlin, I know I have so much to do on my website. What does that look like for you to come in and start working with the client? And again, not getting into the weeds, cause I know you'd have to do a, 
you know, formal proposal and you have to yeah, look at that. Yeah. But if someone wants to hire you for your services, I mean, it sounds like just even something as simple as the heat map you were talking about, just going through with the hot jar and, but even looking at the overall content, I mean, you're going to be able to track this. I mean, how does, you know, how does that relationship work? You yeah. know, how often are you involved, you know, as, as someone's reaching out for your services? Yeah. So I, I'm a solopreneur. I'm a one woman agency. So all of my clients I work with directly. I am the designer and the developer and the the one who runs the strategy and stuff with them. Now, that being said, I have people that I um, bring in for certain specialties. I have a guy I work with who is a brilliant copywriter. Um, so for the companies who need that, I bring them that, uh, that in. Brand designers, logo designers, I have very trusted people that I bring in in my process. Um, but basically what it looks like is someone reaches out to me we hop on like a 30 minute call and I basically just assess, assess where they're at. Um, where are they at in their business? Um, what are they hoping to achieve with web design? What are their overall business goals? Um, it might not seem relevant, but it, it absolutely is. If your business, one of your business goals is to increase revenue X amount or to, um, get more engagement in their local area. Those are all things that we can help, uh, help them achieve through their website. Um, so we really dive um, we dive semi deep in the consult call and I assess where they're at, um, and their needs. And then, um, then I'd send over the formal proposal with some different options based on their budget and what they're looking to achieve. And then once we start working together, um, we deep dive into the strategy. I, ins I install those inspector tools. We get an hour and a half call where we deep dive into more like the business objectives. Who are your users? Who are your ideal clients? Um, really getting an idea of their business as a whole. Um, and then from start to finish, it's like a four to six week web build all with me. Um, we launch, I get them training on how to update their site. Uh, and then they're off and running. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. So with, with the, with the training, um, because is there an option where if they want to come back and say, look, Caitlin, I want to have you as I have updates or new project portfolio yeah. changes, they may have that option to do that with you, or you can actually train them to be self-sufficient. Yes, exactly. And sometimes it's even, it might be the business owner's wife or like they have an office manager. They all have access to those trainings. So if they don't want to do it themselves, they might have somebody in their family or on their team that can, um, and gets access to that. Um, but if they do want to work with me down the line, um, I just had a commercial concrete company I worked with about a year ago came back to me. They wanted to add a careers page because they were growing um, and a couple other like add some project portfolio pieces to their site. Um, and so I offer day rates basically where people can book me for an entire day and we go through their checklist of all the things they want updated and added to their site. Um, and that's how I work with my clients moving forward. And they, it's a very quick turnaround. They can wait to book that day rate until they have a good list of things to do to make the most effective use of our time. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't hold anybody to a retainer and oft, oftentimes my clients, my clients have never asked for it. Um, they have enough knowledge to do the basic things themselves. And then when they have a lot of stuff to do, they just book me for a day rate and we get it, we bang it all out in a day. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so how, when someone engages you, you know, I, we've been in business for a while. If I were to mm -hmm. engage you, how often do you look at the website and look, be like, Brad, you know, you just got to rebuild this whole thing. <laughs> oh man. I would say probably, I'll say 70% of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think um, one of the conversations I've had, I had with 
Todd on the Bridging the Gap podcast, we were kind of talking, there's two different, there's, we're kind of like in a shift in construction. We have the older generation who's like nearing retirement and might be passing, either closing their business or passing it off um, to somebody else, selling it. In general, in general, those are the ones that usually need to be rebuilt because their websites were done like several, several years ago and are probably hand coded and just real, like not up to speed. Um, but we do have a new, like a new generation and the younger generation stepping in. Um, and they're often doing as far as visual look and aesthetic and feel to their website, it is definitely more up to date. They're on more up to date platforms and systems, and they have more knowledge about, um, what needs to be done as far as SEO and marketing. And they know the right questions to ask. That's not insulting the, like the older generation at all. Um, it's just, we're in a different space. And so a lot of the times I'll see the older generations, like they're really far behind as far as like marketing and their online presence, but they're crushing it with referrals and they've been in their you know, field and their area for 30, 40, 50 years and are killing it. Um, but yeah, so it just depends. It just depends on the stage of business and and the approach they're taking. But I'd say 70% of the time they need a redesign. <laughs> so, so why so much interest? I mean, how did you get into web design and, and, and the marketing? That you're oh involved in? yeah. Um, it's really strange. So I, I was actually a music major in college. Um, I wanted to be a music therapist and really long story short, that ended up not working out. And so after six years in university, I was like, I need to choose a degree because I'm racking up all this student debt. So I got a business degree. (laughs) I moved out to Washington from Minnesota where my husband's from. Um, and I started working for a marketing company. I started having kids. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and the day after I got pregnant with my second son, uh, the company went out of business and we were immediately laid off. So I started working at a pizza joint my whole second pregnancy. Oh. And it was a, yeah, I love waitressing, but it's different when you got like, <laughs> you're growing yeah, this when human. you're pregnant. Yeah. yeah. It was at an Italian place though, like, um, authentic Italian food. So every day I got to eat spaghetti and meatballs and pizza and it was amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I had a friend here who, uh, super niche career. He was an independent, he owned his, a consultant, a consultant. He, he was a consultant in the wastewater industry. He's like a guru on all things, grease interceptors. So super niche, really strange. Mm -hmm. He came back from a con, uh, a conference in Amsterdam and he knew I was out of work. I was waitressing and whatever. Um, and he's like, Hey, you know, they were talking to us about how important social media is. I want you to run my social media accounts. And I was like, okay. Okay. So he started paying me monthly to do odd jobs for him there, like here and there. He had a Wix website, um, that was really outdated. And he was like, Hey, can you, um, update this for me? I was like, I know nothing about designing websites. Like I did not go to school or have formal education on designing websites. And he's like, well, I don't have the time for it. And you're younger, you're of the generation. You'll figure it out and make it look better than I could. Um, so I did, he paid me hourly to build a website for him. And I did other administrative tasks, So when I first launched my business, he was the one who encouraged me to launch a business. I was kind of like a VA, like I offered copywriting and proofreading and different social media, like odd, odd things here and there that businesses might need. But it was only a couple months and I was like, I hate doing everything except for the web design. I've always been a creative and I, I just thought it was so fun. So I took the money that he 
was paying me every month. And I invested in my first, um, web design course or program. Um, and it was, that was on building a Squarespace web design, uh, business basically. So it taught me how to start a business. It taught me how to build a, um, efficient and a, a joyful client process, how to build websites and things like that. Not long after that, um, as I was freelancing, I joined an extensive SEO program. So for a long time, most of my clients were SEO contracts, monthly SEO contracts. I was helping businesses get ranked to the first page of Google. Um, and that was my work for the most time. Um, again, I'm a creative. The technical SEO is just so mind-numbingly... I was just getting bored. (laughs) I was just getting (laughs) bored. I'm like, I knew how to do it and I I saw the value in it, but I was so bored. So I got another program that really dove into strategy-driven website design. Um, So not just designing to make things look nice, but really to be in tune with what your clients' needs are and building websites to meet their needs and their their financial goals and things like that. Um, So this, yeah, this last year, uh, this is my fifth year in my business. Um, and I've grown so much and I'm happy because even though I don't do the SEO and meet that, uh, value point anymore, I mean, I do basic SEO on the websites to get them set up, get the foundations ready. Um, but I'm happy because I've found this niche where I can provide an immense amount of value doing the part of everything that I love, like the creative stuff, the web design, um, so to answer your question, that was a very long explanation, but um, I got into web design out of necessity, but it has been such an amazing journey and a creative outlet for me. Um, and I love working with my clients. It allows me to, you know, work 20 hours a week and spend all this time with my children and, you know, work with a handful of clients per year. And it's been incredible. So I can't imagine not owning or yeah, not running a business now. <laughs> Yeah. And especially as a business owner, I mean, there's so much complexity to it, but it sounds like just not only from, you know, servicing your clientele, mm-hmm. right. From web design to even SEO if, if needed yeah. and everything else in between, um, you know, running a business is difficult. Hence you mentioned the day rate. So you figured out strategies yeah. where you can still service yeah. your clients and still have that balance. One thing that's been a life changer is just cause I am so limited on my time. I mean, I wanted a career that wasn't going to sacrifice all this time with my kids and my husband and my family in general. Um, so one thing that I've really relied heavily on is like, find the things that work or, and are going to move the needle in my business. And if I don't have the time to do it myself, I outsource as much as I can just to get stuff done and move the needle. Like I don't have in my 20 hours a week that I work, most of that is spent on client work. I need people to help me with my content marketing, um, refining my blog posts, uh, little things here and there that I can afford to have other people do. I had my copywriting guide, do my email sequence for my newsletter. Um, I'm constantly learning and investing in my business, but I outsource as much as I can just to move the dang thing along. Cause there's only so much you can do in a 40 hour week, a 50 hour week. Like you can't do all the things a business needs to be done unless you have help. So that's been a um, more changer. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more. So what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? So my husband and I are big gamers. <laughs> so we game together. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, 
hang out with my kiddos. It's the sun's finally coming out here, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm a tacos and tequila person. So like I do happy hours with my clients all the time because I just have to have a margarita and a taco. Um, what do I do for fun? It's mainly video games. I started reading a lot That's more awesome. this year though. Um, I really love to read. And so I'm chipping away at a bunch of different books and stuff too. So yeah. So what's the game of choice for you and your husband? So we play, we're a little toxic. We play League of Legends. <laughs> so it's a, <laughs> it's a PC um, like 5v5 game. Um, but we have a big group of friends that that plays with us. So it's, it's a good husband-wife time, but also like social time and downtime. Yeah, we like it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Everyone needs an outlet though. Yeah, I recently got a Nintendo Switch. So I've been playing some Zelda Breath of the Wild and yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my kids have gotten into the Nintendo Switch. They love that, which yeah. is fun. I like some of the old classics, you know, so I'll sit down and play like Mario Brothers and stuff. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I grew up on Sonic, so I was just showing my kids yep. like the Sonic, uh, the old vintage Sonic game that I got on yeah. Switch and just reliving some old memories. <laughs> yeah, playing Sonic, same thing, you know, the yeah. music, you know. And they, <laughs> yes. they, of course, they love it because the movie came out, so they love watching yes, the Yes, exactly. Course, it's still like relevant to the next generation. <laughs> It is. Yeah. So they still like Sonic. Um, for, for those listening, you know, if they want to contact you, how are you, Caitlin? How can they find you? Yeah. Um, upcoming and exciting, like any news on your side? Yeah. So, uh, you can find me on my website at caitlinslocumdesign.com. Um, we'll have the link cause I know that's a long name and it can be, there's a billion ways to spell Caitlin, but it's caitlinslocumdesign.com or on Instagram at caitlinslocumdesign. Um, and then, yeah, if you guys are looking for, you know, some things that you can do on your website to increase um, website conversions, I have a free download on my site, uh, the 10 things every construction website needs in 2023. Uh, so feel free to check that out and download that. Um, but yeah, connect with me. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, send me a DM or shoot me an email from my website. Well, Caitlin, you've been amazing. As you can tell, I was engaged the entire time. Just a ton of great information. So thanks for making time today. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you, Brad. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favor to ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next